The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host. James Fox is alongside us as always. This week, a special guest, a very special guest, Ryan Johansson, formerly of the Chicago White Sox. He spent four years with the organization, spent the season in 2019 with the Kannapolis Cannonballers, and then moved as a hitting coordinator, special assistant role in the organization the year following. And there's a lot that we would like to pick Ryan's brain about because we want to learn about hitting. And that's what he does is he teaches hitting. You can follow Ryan Johansson on Twitter at RPJ1317. Ryan, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for jumping on the Future Sox podcast. We're curious about your career path and how it led you to the Chicago White Sox. So I'd love to start there. What was it that led you to the opportunity to join the organization uh, based on your credentials previously? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Thanks for having me on, guys. You know, back in 2013, I kind of got into starting to look at some measurables and things like that. Obviously, 2015 was kind of the StatCast era where you started to see some exit velocities on TV. They started to kind of put some stuff together. A guy that I was working with by the name of Rich Benjamin um, was the head coach at Judson University at the time. And he was very interested in that stuff. And I had the uh, pleasure and um, opportunity to kind of learn from him. Um, so that's kind of where uh, my, my journey kind of began. Um, so fast forward to... 2018 in the fall before I got hired, um, our facility was in the process of getting force plates. I think the the style force plates that we had, the swing catalyst where you could actually see video playback. Um, when I talked to Chris Getz in 2018, we chatted about the roles that they had available and kind of what the journey could kind of look like. And, um, you know, he decided that my skill set was something that the Chicago White Sox wanted to pursue. I, I'm curious about the modern day hitter versus, you know, the way that we grew up learning about how to hit in baseball What's changed thanks to the additions of some of the technologies that you are aware of and what you can implement to help get hitters to the next level? 
I might actually argue with you there a little bit that not a lot of things have really changed. I think the difference is the speed of which we can evaluate things and the speed of, um, or the, the trial and error is less. Um, good hitting coaches without technology have always been good hitting coaches. And what we can do with technology is we can essentially evaluate, you know, what the best do and why they do it. And we can try to replicate it. So, um, it's giving more, I think technology gives more of the less talented player an opportunity to find some low hanging fruit and develop and kind of even the playing field a little bit. Whereas the talented players are always going to be the talented players, their brain works, their body works, and they've probably had some really good people around them, help them uh, put all that stuff together. So Ryan, good to have you here. Um, You know, I had read previously just about, you know, some of the things that you were doing prior to joining the organization. What are, what is the the status of the facility that you were running before? And then can you just like share with listeners uh, where that was and what you were doing there? Yeah, definitely. So um, like I mentioned in 2013, we kind of started kind of in the private sector. I had a business called Athlete Farm and nobody really knew what Athlete Farm was. It was uh, basically a baseball, softball training facility that was designed to use measurables, um, add in the strength training, start the group model, things like that. But people were calling me for lacrosse, football, just regular random strength training. Uh, I wanted to accomplish two things with with my next brand name, and that was I wanted people to know who I was and what I did. So Johansson Baseball, um, really creative, obviously. Uh, my last name and just, you know, the word baseball. Uh, we opened a facility in South Elgin, Illinois, about an hour west of the city, and um, that is no longer in existence. Um, I've got two little girls in between traveling with the White Sox, and which is another reason why I'm not with the White Sox anymore, but just making sure I could spend more time with family, the challenges of COVID, things like that. We no longer have that facility, um, but I'm still in contact with a lot of those players, built a lot of really great relationships there, and it was probably one of the coolest projects and things that I've ever worked on. So when you were doing those sorts of things, like I'm sure – you know, you're in your facility, like possibly dreaming about working for a big league team at some point, right? You get that opportunity, I guess, like just overall takeaways of your four years, like how, how similar was it to maybe what you were expecting and, or was it, you know, quite a bit different than what you thought before you did it? Great question. You know, when I first kind of learned about the opportunity, it it really wasn't on my radar at all. I couldn't really picture, we were actually in the process of opening a second facility. And so, um, I was really kind of in the really locked into the private sector. Um, Obviously, you know, growing up, you know, working or or being a part of a big league organization was definitely a dream. Um, But it was really like uh, a humbling experience to get that that opportunity. Um, And I would say that the biggest surprise in it was just how like normal and natural it felt. Um, You know, we kind of put some of these roles on a pedestal at times. And you know, there's challenges just like in every other job, just like in every other corporation, just like in every other business. Um, and it comes down to getting along with people and trying to just maximize your skill set and um, maximize everybody else's skill set. You know, it's it's there's a lot of opportunities to take credit for things that um, don't need to be taken credit for. You know, we're all just pulling on the same end of the rope and, and trying to win games at, at every level. Um, so that was that was probably the biggest the biggest realization is you kind of think there's like some big, you know, a lot of big egos and things like that. And there's certainly, um, there certainly are at times, but um, everybody pulling on the same end of the rope and, and really being part of a team and all the former players that we had, obviously know that being in clubhouses and the White Sox did a really good job kind of putting people in place to, to do that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about working with others. Like we talked to Devin DeYoung last week. We talked to, you know, Andy Barquette during the season. It was super interesting. What was, uh, what was that like working with, with Andy Barquette? Yeah. So when Andy came on, um, you know, we had a good conversation. We talked about a lot of things, kind of some, some of his philosophies that he wanted to bring from Boston and some of the things he did at UCF. Um, I think he did a really, really good job just focusing on a few important generalizations that our team, you know, myself and Devin and our biomechanical guys were able to kind of put some objective numbers to. And then our staff, you know, Cam Seitzer, um, Charlie Romero, Nikki Delmonico, um, Chris Johnson, they all did a phenomenal job kind of executing those plans and, and putting that stuff together. Yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned it there, uh, like the biomechanics, just like in general, like, and you shed some light, I guess. And maybe that's, you know, we think of it as these new things, right? Because we were, we've been following the White Sox as long as we have. So, you know, when, when that first came about, right. And they, and they talked about introducing biomechanics, like under Chris Getz, it was like a new thing for us, but just like in regards to teaching hitting, like to, to a layman, how does the use of like biomechanics factor into teaching hitting in 2022? I mean, it could go a lot of directions, um, you know, with that, I'll kind of, you know, share my opinion on it. Uh, the one thing, you know, you mentioned Chris Getz and kind of how he's kind of, you know, altered the kind of the shift of the organization. Um, you know, he is one of the most forward thinking people that I've probably had the pleasure of working for. Um, and one of his biggest skill sets is definitely scaling it at an appropriate pace. Um, you know, there's things that he could have done to totally blow up what the White Sox were currently doing. Um, you know, but kind of the, the way he set the stage and the way that he set us up to really have some uh, success in the minor leagues this past year and what we're going to or what they're going to continue to do doing forward. He's done a great job with that. But how biomechanics, you know, or how, you know, measurable, so to speak, can be used. I think it's just trying to find the low hanging fruit is a lot of times, and if you guys have ever been through a hitting lesson or watched a hitting lesson or watched a coach work with a player as they throw a pitch and something's wrong or the, the result isn't what it what it seems um, or what the coach wants. And all of a sudden there's there's an adjustment to it. And then they throw another pitch and it's like something else is wrong. They throw another pitch and something else is wrong. And what we can do is when we take a big sample size of data of how that player is moving, is we just say like, okay, hey, there's you know 15 things that visually – we don't like, but it really boils down to this one thing that we can kind of focus on and attack. So it gives the player one focus. It gives the player a clear path, a clear vision, so they can just focus on that one thing. And they're not trying to fix 15, 16 different things in their swing, always thinking that they're broken. I think using objective information is a way to really simplify what we deliver to the athlete. And a lot of times I think it's misconstrued as like complicated and the best thing we can use it for is that simplification is saying, Hey, you do all these things really well. Here's one thing you do kind of average that we can improve. Or a lot of times it's like, Hey, let's just leave this guy alone. And that's something that um, Andy did a really good job of as well with some of our guys who had a lot of success is kind of look at some of that stuff and saying like, Hey, this guy's fine. He just needs to, you know, work on approach or work on something else. We don't have to necessarily change his swing, kind of let guys be who they are. Ryan, I have a specific question about a player. What do you think about Colson Montgomery, just the product that is Montgomery at this point? Uh, and we're interested in your opinion about Montgomery specifically because of his ability in high school playing multi-sports. And in general, do you believe that benefits a player to do more than just the desired sport that they're trying to achieve at the highest level? Man, that's a kind of a twofold question. Um, I'm going to talk about Colson first. Colson is an incredible athlete. He 
Uh, if I recall, one of the things that we saw in him that we kind of predicted was that he was going to be this successful. Um, and we were looking at his out-of-zone contact rate. Um, I, If I recall, I, I, I'm kind of nervous putting that on a podcast because I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I'm like 99.9% sure it's accurate, is that that was the big thing that we were really impressed with him by um, and kind of that first, uh, that first year when we started looking at some of his data. And sure enough, he goes off this year and has a great year. In terms of multi-sport athletes, Colson is athletic enough to probably play whatever sport he wants. And I think that's true of really, really good athletes. Now, whether playing basketball directly helps him at shortstop or hitting or anything else, um, I'm not sure. Um, if playing baseball helps him in basketball, I'm not sure. But I do think that a lot of these you know, really, really talented athletes can probably likely play multiple sports at a really high level. And then when they get drafted and they play professionally, it's really easy to say, oh, it's because they played multiple sports rather than giving them credit for just being that athletic. And then, you know, obviously their desire, their work ethic to get better at each individual sport, you know, I think is, is not fair to them. You know, he's put a lot of work into both sports um, and that's why he's as good as he is. You know, Ryan, just another guy that fans ask us about quite a bit, Oscar Colas, you know, he finished the season in Charlotte. So, you know, like we, we've speculated that we could see him in the big leagues as soon as this next year. Just what were your, did you work with him much? And then just what were your thoughts on, you know, some of the progress that he made? I think it's kind of lost on people how long he basically wasn't playing baseball. And then all of a sudden he's stateside playing baseball again, even being like a little bit advanced age for a prospect, the layoff um, is, is kind of tough for most guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't spend a ton of time with Colas. Um, Oscar really likes to work. He's a very detailed guy, at least from the little bit that, that I spent with him. You know, so that's what I can speak to. The big thing that I think he kind of improved on was getting behind the ball and just his path. He came in and was just an absolute Ferrari of a human being and could hit baseballs extremely hard and extremely far. Um, and just kind of getting on plane a little bit earlier and working on some of that stuff and some of the drills that Andy scaled. Um, you know, I think helped him and our hitting coaches at each level, just kind of like staying on him and, and doing that is, is, is important. And like you mentioned, he took a lot of time off. So getting kind of back into the groove and, and hitting the ground running and finally kind of finding that rhythm is probably, you know, what helped him get to Charlotte. And um, I can't speak to what their organization's plans are for him, um, but that would be my, that'd be my take on kind of his journey throughout this past year. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us at Future Sox today. I know your time is valuable. What do you have moving forward with Win Reality that you would like to share uh, with our listeners? Yeah, so right now I'm the manager of player development for Win Reality. Um, Win Reality is a virtual reality kind of baseball training tool, something that the White Sox use, and uh, I believe they're up to 23 major league organizations right now. Um, so it's something that professionals believe in. Um, I would love to tell you specific names of guys that I know it's specifically helped, but uh, I'm kind of against talking about that without their <laughs> explicit permission. Um, I know there's, if you look it up, there's plenty of guys that are uh, all in on win reality um, at the pro level, especially some rehab guys that weren't able to see pitches, weren't able to get swings, um, and really got a chance to, to see pitches during the rehab process over the course of you know several years in, in some cases. With that being said, my job is to basically uh, – make it easier for players to train inside the headset as well as build systems for training. So whether we're looking at plate coverage and hitting the ball away, um, whether we're looking at creating space and hitting the ball in, getting behind the ball, you know, on the upper half of the zone, uh, staying, um, staying on plane on the ball below the zone. And then also, you know, obviously swing decision and timing are our two main core values with winter reality. That's what our bread and butter is. So making sure that we're making decisions on time, we can objectively measure that 
as well as what decisions that we're actually making inside the headset. Um, so it's a pretty cool product. Uh, there's a lot of really, really fun updates coming, um, specifically this winter and specifically this fall. And our roadmap and our plans for what we're going to be able to do in 2023 is going to like, it's it, just even thinking about it makes it feel like we're in like a twilight zone. Um, we're about to do some really, really cool things. Well, congratulations, Ryan. And thanks so much for taking the time. Go to johansonbaseball.com for more information of what Ryan provides in developing hitting and just developing a baseball player in general. RPJ1317 on Twitter for Ryan Johansson if you'd like to follow him. Ryan, thanks again for jumping on the Future Sox podcast. Absolutely, guys. Go Sox. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ryan Johansson, I mean, you could tell the guy's filled with knowledge, and it was an awesome opportunity to chat with him. The White Sox took advantage of, you know, his resources, his knowledge, and he moved on, James, um, from the organization because of you know personal matters. And you could tell that he's got a lot on his plate. He's, he's a father and he's also working at johansonbaseball.com and win reality. And that's helped hitters. Uh, and I just think that somebody within the organization like him can do nothing but help. But it's those types of people that you'd like to have more of, right? Helping the organization develop these players. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious to see like who they replace him with right because we've seen all of these changes under Chris Getz like I remember when Johansson got hired it was like right around the same time um, remember they hired Matt Lyle and then mm-hmm. you know he was only there for a year um, but I feel like some of his like practices were were implemented with like some of the stuff they're doing and then Ben Hansen um, was the biomechanist that I wrote about like a couple of years back he left too for you know, for something else, but they have like a biomechanical engineer on staff, right? So I'm guessing that the assistant hitting coach role for the organization or coordinator role will be filled with somebody, you know, by somebody similar um, to Ryan Johansson. You know, I just kind of wanted to talk to him because, you know, I knew he was moving on to win reality and, you know, he was, he was interested in coming on and I just like wanted some insight into like what that means right like what does the assistant hitting coordinator for the organization do so I think we kind of know what Andy Barquette does after we talk to him but you know this was the guy that worked under Andy Barquette and obviously they're all under you know the purview of like how Chris Getz wants to do things and look I think there was I think there was a lot of growth offensively on the farm that we that we've talked about and I would love to be able to link some of that growth to you know some of the systems that they have in place Right, and the individuals who are implementing those technology. Oh, the 
I would say the information gathered from the technology, but we talked to Devin DeYoung last week and Devin talked about simplifying the information and also trusting just coaching baseball, their instincts to coach baseball, because you heard what Ryan said, not a lot changed over the last decade plus or so about teaching baseball as we've grown older and the game has changed athletically, but philosophies remain the same. It's just pitchers are getting so much better. So I just think it's fascinating how you balance what you know about teaching hitting as well as what you know about what's actually happening to individual hitters. Tangible evidence saying that a fastball up is a bad pitch for this specific hitter. So what can we do biomechanically that will help you get the bat through the swing path in, in an efficient rate where you make contact with a baseball that's been beating you in the past? You know, all of that is you kind of break it down to a micro level and uh, you can even break that down even further. So I think limiting the information to some of these players is significant, but also for someone like Ryan and now Andy Barquette and Chris Getz, the way he values information and those within the White Sox organization, I think it's important to be aware of all the information that's available and it's just up to them to implement it and and put it uh, to effective use. So James, let's move on though, because over the last couple of weeks, as we've been in the off season here at Future Sox, the Arizona league is going on the Arizona fall league instructs. However, At the big league level, we know that there is massive changes coming with a new managerial hire. Plus, you you got to figure out the 40-man roster, as well as some breaking news with SoxFest. The organization had canceled SoxFest yet again. They didn't really provide a specific reason uh, as to why they canceled SoxFest. So let's start there, and we'll we'll talk about some of the other stuff that I brought up as well. But SoxFest, James, initial reaction when you heard it, how did you feel and what did you think about it? So I guess I just like assumed that there was going to be no Sox Fest because it's late October and there's usually I feel like there's usually like a lot more information about it by now. So I I guess like when they canceled it, it just like caught me off guard that like something like that still needed to be announced. Like I just assumed that it wasn't happening. And then, you know, I kind of saw the reaction to it on social media with Sox fans and you know, obviously most of it's negative and like a lot of people like going to the convention. I went the last two years like that, that they had it. And, you know, it's just like a time to rejoice with other Sox fans. Right. And I think that was like a time when people were mostly in a good mood. Right. Because the rebuild seemed to be working and there were a lot of interesting young players in the organization. So I've seen like a lot of fans thinking that this is just their way of kind of like ducking out of answering to the fans. And I just like, I don't know that that's what it is. Like to me, it just seems like for whatever reason, and this is probably their fault too, they they don't have the space to do what they want to do. So they've canceled this event. Um, and, and I don't know if it's much more than that. I mean, look, they, they've taken microphones and sat up there and been, you know, nailed with questions for years from fans and media at these events, like after rough seasons and off seasons where, they've been underwhelming. So I, I really like don't think it's that because I don't really think they care that all that much about that. Um, but, you know, them just saying canceled for a variety of factors or whatever they said, like, you know, probably mm-hmm. wasn't the best way to like convey this message. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it does have a lot to do with space and I can't help but feel the same way uh, with, with a lot of fans saying like they don't want to feel the backlash because of Man, the the PR nightmare that's been the White Sox over the last multiple seasons. So 
I'm not going to go into crazy conspiracy theories there, but I, I do think a large part of it is because of the spacing and just you got to be able to rent buildings, right? That'll hold a number of people. So safety is obviously a concern, but there's probably, a, a, you know, there's yeah. multitude factors. Well, going I, think, on here, I mean, so. don't, don't, don't we have evidence that like they don't really care about fan discontent? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean right. Like, yeah. it's kind of like, okay, yeah. Now they're, now they care what the fan base thinks. Like, come on, man. So how do you feel about the way the manager search has gone so far? What you're hearing, the names that are popping up just in general, you know, cause we keep continue to ask the question, who's in charge of the search. And I think we'll find out based on the hire, but still there's a lot of questions left up in the air. And by the time listeners do hear this podcast, maybe the White Sox have hired their next you know, manager. But at this point, we're still up in arms trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. So I guess like it, like I like that it's private, but like, I think people want like a list of names that your team has interviewed, right? Like I know like in the NFL when the bears were going through their search, it was like today the team interviewed such mm-hmm. and such. And like in baseball, it's not really like that. And I feel like if it was, like, maybe fans would be happier with that. But I don't think our lack of knowledge infers that they're just, like, not interviewing people. Like, I'm hoping that they're interviewing a wide range of people, even if you don't plan on hiring them, just to kind of get their thoughts on your organization and your team and, you know, some stuff that you could do. I guess I'm just assuming at this point that their next manager is somebody that works for one of the four clubs that's that's still in the playoffs. Right. Cause I just like Ron Washington was a name that was brought up and, you know, I, I talked about kind of liking Ron Washington. I just kind of feel like they would have hired Ron Washington by now. Right. And even like some of the, the outcry for Ozzy or like any of that stuff, I just feel like they, like they're, they're going to want a manager in place for the GM meetings, which I believe are like the ninth and 10th of November. Um, so like, I just feel like they would have hired somebody by now if it wasn't somebody that they didn't feel comfortable hiring. Like, are they able to hire, you know, somebody from the Astros right now? Anyway, like, I guess they could in theory, but I don't think they can announce it. So right. like, that's my thought on it. But like I said, like this, this is the White Sox. So, you know, like, I think we've joked, like they could announce Paul Canerco as the manager on Monday and. I, you know, wouldn't be terribly surprised because they just, those are the weird things that they do like often. I think it's worth mentioning that the White Sox are going to interview Ozzie Gian. I think that's a major story. I think it's major because they're, they're sitting down to talk to him. There's a massive fallout when Ozzie left at the end of 2011, I believe it was, right? The fact that Ozzie's back in the building, having a conversation with this front office about this team is significant. And there's no harm in interviewing Ozzie. If Ozzie has all these opinions on TV and in the radio uh, and on the radio, then get him in the office and say, okay, tell us, tell us why we've been bad. And what do you think about these players? And what would you do to make these players play to their full potential? I don't think there's any harm in that, James. Yeah. And like, I don't really... Like, I kind of feel like the Aussie thing is weird because I feel like there's like a segment of the fan base that feels like it, it would just be like some sort of like courtesy interview. Right. But I don't think Ozzy Gian like is at the stage of his life where he's like taking courtesy interviews. Right. But on the other hand, like, do you really need to interview Ozzy Gian? Like, don't you just hire Ozzy Gian? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, the whole thing is strange. And obviously, like Bruce Levine from 670, like your employer, he's he kind of said that they were going to interview him this week, but he doesn't have a date. And, you know, NBC Sports Chicago put something out there. But then Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times said that he talked to Ozzy and there's like no date on the book. So 
yeah, like I don't. There's like a lot of conflicting information, and the White Sox don't really confirm or deny rumors. So I just kind of think like there will be a hire made all of a sudden, like maybe, you know, by the end of next week, they just have a manager all of a sudden. And it was like maybe from out of nowhere. So um, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the first step in, you know, trying to get things back on track this offseason, obviously. That's James Fox. Follow him on Twitter at JamesFox917. I'm at Rankin906. We talked to Ryan Johansson today on the podcast at RPJ1317. He's a former assistant hitting coordinator for the Chicago White Sox. Joined the organization in 2019, spent time in Kannapolis, and then worked with the front office, helping you know, implementing developed technology into hitting philosophies and trying to help players get better. And I thought that was uh, a really insightful conversation about a few things there with Ryan. So we appreciate your time listening to us every Tuesday on the Future Sox podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network and SoxMachine.com. We have stuff coming up moving forward with the Sox Machine and Future Sox podcast. So stay tuned. It'll be a lot of fun. Sox Machine is busting it, guys. They are working hard every single day to provide White Sox content. The offseason is Going to be an interesting one, so stay tuned to us. If you want to subscribe to us on Patreon, we'll provide you exclusive content. You could be part of our community, interact with other White Sox fans, part of our Patreon page. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Future Sox Podcast. We talk to you every Tuesday, so stay tuned. Don't go anywhere else for your White Sox content. We got you right here at Future Sox, futuresox.com, and SoxMachine.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next Tuesday.